Hello listeners, Tom Stifert here from 60 Minutes with another update on the coronial inquest into the disappearance and suspected death of Melissa Louise Caddick. It's actually the last day of the second week of the inquest and Kate McClymont has of course been there to hear every single witness, every expert give evidence. If you haven't been following her Twitter timeline, boy oh boy, lots has been going on, including Anthony Coletti taking the stand for the very first time. So before we bring you a full episode of Liar Liar, Melissa Caddick and the Missing Millions shortly, here is Kate bringing us up to speed with the inquest on the Sydney Morning Herald and the Ages podcast. Please explain. From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Julia Karkatzel and it's Friday, September 30. This week, Anthony Coletti took the stand for the very first time at the inquest into his wife Melissa Caddick's suspected death. While there were hopes that Coletti's evidence might tie up some loose ends, it has left us even more confused. Coletti consistently presented contradictory evidence in front of a frustrated coroner who even asked him to stand down at one point due to his unhelpful answers. So what's actually come out of the inquest this week and what will happen next? To tell us is Kate McClymont, the Sydney Morning Herald's chief investigative reporter and host of the podcast Liar Liar. Welcome back to Please Explain, Kate, and thanks for joining us from the coroner's court. My pleasure. Kate, today was supposed to be the last day of the Caddick inquest. It's been a huge week. How's it all going? Look, it has been an absolutely huge week and unfortunately we are not going to finish today so the matter will have to resume at some time later in the year. Look, the reason why it's taken so long has been the evidence of Melissa Caddick's husband, Anthony Coletti. And in some ways it's his casual disregard for the truth in the first instance that has seen this huge delay and and basically a waste of the court's time and money because what they've been looking into is just the things that he told police at the beginning when his wife first went missing and his just inability to just be precise and honest has seen so much confusion. You know, one of the main things is that we've heard that he took 30 hours to report his wife missing. So we had to look at at why this was so. And, you know, just things like on the day he did report his wife missing, so this is the 13th of November 2020, he was asked by police on that day, what did you do last night or did you go anywhere last night? And he says, not that I know of. So this is only hours after the night, and he can't remember. It now turns out that he's deleted text messages before he handed his phone over to police. Because in fact, the night when he was claiming he was driving around the cliffs with his loud music on, trying to lure his wife out of hiding, in fact, he'd gone to a friend's house to smoke a joint. He was there for half an hour. And the bizarre thing about this is that he didn't mention to his friend oh, by the way, my wife has gone missing. And guess what? The previous day, we had police and ASIC here for 12 hours while they were searching for warrants. And we've just heard in his evidence that he still maintains that whatever happened to his wife was caused by the cruel and 
inhumane treatment by the corporate regulator ASIC. And then in the same breath, he has admitted that his previous allegations that he and Melissa during the raid were denied food, water and medical treatment was in fact untrue. So now how these two things can be maintained is a mystery, but Anthony's sticking to them. Yeah, and you can find that account of Anthony Coletti's own ASIC raid experience online. Very bizarre music he's made. And I guess for those who aren't familiar with Coletti, what should they know about him and his relationship with Melissa? I feel a little bit sorry for Coletti. He's a 40-year-old hairdresser and part-time DJ. And during the course of this inquiry, much has been made of his, you know, lack of education and his unsophistication. And in fact, today, one of the barristers said to him, so, Mr. Coletti, it's true you didn't win any academic prizes at school. And he said, no, I didn't. And it's true that you were always at the bottom of the class. Oh, yes, that's true, he said. And in fact, you left school at year 10. And he agreed with that as well. And I just think his unsophistication and his simplicity have been, you know, highlighted during the inquest. And in some ways, he's emerged as a a rather sad figure. I don't think we've heard any intention to either harm his wife, helped his wife disappear, that he delayed reporting her missing to give her a chance to escape. But his behaviour and initial answers just caused so much unnecessary confusion. And some of his writings were available online from your own posts on Twitter, including a post-it note and a lost person questionnaire. Would you mind telling me what those said? So only as recently as last week, Anthony Coletti has filed another affidavit with the court. So this was more than 100 pages. And this was trying to, I guess, explain and mitigate the attacks on him earlier in the inquest. But most interesting were the attachments to this affidavit. And one of them was a bright pink post-it note that he said he put on his wife's phone when he first noticed that she was missing. And he said, I gave her an early Christmas present of a pair of earrings that weren't seized in the raid. And I put this post-it note on top of it while I went out. And the, the note said, I know possessions, you know, don't mean much to us. But even his spelling was K-N-O-W was spelt N-O, possessions wasn't spelt correctly. And I just think those kind of things have given a bit of an indication as to perhaps his level of education or that he's just not a sophisticated person. But it's also been heard at the inquest that he and his brother-in-law, Adam Grimley, hired this company called Sydney Search Dogs, which is a private company which hires out dogs to look for missing people. And in the questionnaire for that company, he put things such as um, asked to describe what his wife was wearing at the time she went missing. He wrote gym gear and in the section that said underwear, he wrote grandma. (laughs) So like there have been moments of sort of amusement. But he also said that his wife's 
uh, hero was Joan of Arc. And how would you describe her uh, health? And he said, perfect. And I don't know, it was just kind of sad, really, because, you know, while we're sitting here listening to him give evidence, you do have to remember that his wife, who he obviously loved very much, has gone missing and is basically presumed dead. Yeah, I mean, the reference to the patron saint Joan of Arc was quite an interesting comparison or, or to say that that was her hero, considering she wasn't a saint at all. So you touched on this before, but obviously Coletti struggled to answer a lot of questions. But what could you glean from the answers he did give? What more did you learn? Oh, dear. <laughs> Don't even ask. Look, his, his evidence was just so contradictory. But um, at the end of the week, it was actually put to him, you now accept your wife is a fraudster. And he agreed. And he also agreed that it was likely that if she was still around, she would face criminal prosecution. He understood that. But he still maintained that it was somebody else's fault as to what happened to her. That is, that because the corporate regulator, the, the manner in which they conducted the search warrant was totally responsible for his wife's disappearance. Now, we've heard testimony from those officers there on the day. We've seen uh, video footage. We've heard audio. There is absolutely nothing to suggest that she was in any way treated uh, inhumanely or that there was any negligence. And in fact, we heard evidence from a forensic psychiatrist, Kerry Eagle, who said that even, you know, people like herself who are trained in this area, if they had been at the raid on that day, it would be impossible to ascertain or to predict the inner turmoil that must have been going through her mind. And Dr. Eagle's evidence was that Melissa Caddick had a narcissistic personality disorder. And people with that kind of disorder have very low self-esteem and it's vital to them to gain the, the admiration of those around them. And she said that it was more than likely that this raid by ASIC and the federal police and the seizure of her things would have been an absolutely catastrophic event and that the shame and humiliation she knew would follow would be enough to cause somebody to either consider or to carry out self-harm. Mm, it is a very sad situation. And you mentioned before how Melissa's brother Adam Grimley and Coletti worked together to find search using search dogs. It's interesting how he came out and defended Coletti this week. What's their relationship like? Well, the relationship between Coletti and his parents-in-law and his brother-in-law, Adam Grimley, the courts heard, is very close. It was interesting in court that Adam Grimley actually got up and left when the deputy state coroner told him to stop grimacing and making uh, facial expressions while his brother-in-law was being examined by one of the ASIC barristers. Now, this is not 
the first time that this has happened and people sitting in the courtroom have also commented that Melissa's mother has also been making comments as well. So the family absolutely believes that ASIC has done something to their daughter and, in fact, the court has previously heard that in June 2021, Melissa's brother Adam Grimley actually confronted Isabella Allen, the lead investigator from ASIC, you know, accused her of being responsible for his sister's death. He said, how do you feel being responsible for Melissa's death? And she replied, I was just doing my job. I'm not responsible. So it just seems that there's always someone to blame other than Melissa herself. And, in fact, we heard evidence that um, Barbara Grimley had, first of all, accused Melissa Caddick's neighbours or one of their sons as possibly being responsible for their death. Now she's blaming ASIC. She has written to the coroner complaining that her daughter wasn't given food or water and this could only have come from Coletti. So it seems that they're they're all singing from the same song sheet and it's not correct. No, we know we know it's not correct because of the accounts ASIC ha- has given. Coletti has said time and time again that he's had no involvement and he's been completely unaware of uh, Melissa's wrongdoings. But we did find out this week that Coletti did help Caddick get her hands on a document shredding service before ASIC had even launched its investigation. What do you make of that? Well, it was interesting that he was asked about the acquisition of a $3,000 shredding machine. This was in July 2020, so just a couple of months before she disappeared. And his response was, kind of typical of his answers. He said, Melissa asked me to get a shredder. I got a shredder. Nothing more, nothing less. But then we heard interesting evidence that on the 14th of September, on the night of the 14th of September, Melissa contacted one of her employees wanting to know about industrial shredders. Now, on that same day, we heard that ASIC had conducted an interview with one of the investors as well as contacted the National Australia Bank. But anyway, a day or two later, basically industrial-sized bins arrived and Melissa started busily shredding, shredding, shredding. So the inquest has tried to work out whether she was tipped off in any way that there was an investigation into her activities. And so far, there hasn't been any such evidence forthcoming. Yeah, bizarre indeed. So Kate, it's been a telling two weeks. What are your final thoughts and what do you expect will happen next? Unfortunately, we won't finish the inquest as predicted after two weeks. There'll be days determined at a later date and it's really difficult. You've got a room full of people. So finding the availability of dates for the the coroner, for the court, for you know, the various barristers. So this is going to delay things considerably. But I have to say that as we get towards the end, I feel as though I'm still none the wiser as to what actually happened to Melissa Caddick. Oh, that's that's a bit of a shame. But uh, yeah, I guess it's been captivating nonetheless. Thank you so much for your time today, Kate. 
My pleasure. Thanks, Julia. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by me, Julia Karkatzel. The journalists, editors, photographers, producers and tech team at The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald work tirelessly to cover the news that matters. For coverage you can trust, visit our websites or buy our papers. To support our journalism, you can subscribe via our homepages or just search subscribe, the Sydney Morning Herald or The Age. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Thanks for listening.